Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Creep closer to the future with Jack and Earl as they lament on Star Trek Discovery's penultimate entry into season two, Such Sweet Sorrow, part one. Greetings, we are Let's Talk About Treks, and this is Earl Grey. Yeah, and I'm Jack Dorino. And I'm so glad that Earl Grey was able to jump in today because I did not know where I was or when it was or what day it was. Please continue, though. Please tell us more things. Oh, I was just going to say, and I am with my esteemed uh, primary host, uh, Jack Dorino, and I was going to yeah. pause and let you speak your own name. All right, so so today we're uh, we're back discussing the season finale arc of... Uh, of, of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Uh, technically, we're on Season 2. That's Episode uh, 13. Season 2, Episode 13 of Star Trek Discovery. It's called Such Sweet Sorrow. Uh, so, uh, a couple things about this. The crew has already agreed to go into the future. So, we are sort of gathering plans to do that. And then we're deciding to have a fight against Leland. Okay. Or, or, or control as Leland is what yeah. I guess we call him. Uh, th- so the first interesting thing about the episode that I wanted to point out is that the uh, the title comes from uh, some more Shakespeare, right? Hamlet, hell yeah. So this episode, it's Romeo and Juliet, hell yeah, from the line uh, that goes something along the lines <laughs> of parting is such sweet sorrow that I say good night till it be morrow. Uh, that's Romeo and Juliet. It's um, pretty dope, yeah? Good, yeah. Um... This is the episode. Oh, so now we're gonna do the ums on purpose. That's quite highly amusing. This is the episode where Discovery won't won't let itself be destroyed. So they decide, but they gotta fight somebody. So they decide to fight Control instead. So last week or last episode, Control had inhabited um, a character that I don't remember the character's name, but the actor seemed familiar and I can't place her picture where I know them from. So are we talking about Leland who is in section 31 or are we talking about the actor who was in the spacesuit? The one in the spacesuit. Okay, so he was actually from Star Trek Discovery episode one and was one of the members of the bridge crew there, Cameron Gant, right? So he also, okay. the, something else you might remember him from is from playing his own Mirror Universe counterpart. Uh, before that, uh, you might remember him from an episode of The Border. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it was in 2008. Uh, he was also in a movie okay. called Traitor, uh, which featured Neil McDonough. Uh, he was also in a, a movie called How that. to Be Indie. And in some other things like LA Complex, The Animal Project. Ooh, don't know which one of these things that you've seen. Yeah, uh, I don't know either. Because I yeah. don't think I, I mean, you would think I would have seen The Animal Project, but, or The Complex oh. or whatever. You call oh, it. that's amusing. So, what is Michael doing here? What's she holding on to? Oh, so the, crystal. the time crystal thing. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so there's a time when. When, uh, oh. when she gets a time crystal, and I'm wondering how in the world... The crystal! How in the world is it not telling her things... Oh, okay. It's not telling her things that are true, though, is the problem. It's telling her potential it... things that she can avoid. So this leads to the question of why doesn't Pike then avoid 
his later fate of the wheelchair, right? He knew it was coming. He could have avoided it. So obviously, Owosukun's not going to do that horrible, terrible slide down the side of the obstacle. Now, that was <laughs> that may have been uh, one of the best deaths that I have ever seen in Star Trek history because when Owosukun went blank and she went sliding down that panel, I was so convinced, like, oh my gosh, it's over for real. She is gone. Mm-hmm. One of the best mm. death moments I've, I've seen in Star Trek, hands down. Why, why did they decide that they're going to completely evacuate the Discovery? Are they just going to send the, try to send the Discovery to the future itself without everybody? Yeah, so they're going to send, uh, they're going to let everybody off the ship and they're going to send the ship with the data inside it because they can't get the data apparently out of the uh out of the uh out of the computer so i i I can't say that i fully understand what their purpose is uh but i do understand that the main i did understand at the time and i do understand now and i will continue to understand that the main purpose of this episode of these this little set of episodes this little episode arc is to get discovery the f out of canon because they keep bouncing all around <laughs> it and smacking up into it and stumbling over it. Let's move away from canon and stop you guys from fumbling around like drunken sailors. Okay? Because, like, I did, like, the fan service, but we were getting a little messy. We were getting a little bit messy. Like, there's even a scene that they were very careful to keep Sarek away from Spock because in the original series, Journey to Babel, you know, Spock mentions that he hadn't spoken to his father, Sarek, as father and son for, what, like 16 years? Well, this is less than 16 years okay. hence. And they take the the great pains of getting the two of them alone, and they make sure that neither of them says anything to one another. So, like, that's a <laughs> sense. Like, they're, they're bumbling around, and eventually they're going to knock into Cannon, and Cannon's going to, like, come crashing all around their heads. Well, that's what was fine about Enterprise, because it was so far separated from canon that there was no real opportunity to run into canon uh and yet they did except for past events that they could talk about sure uh the problem is that, like when we met the klingons when did we meet the klingons do we meet the klingons in i mean prior to enterprise i don't feel like we met the klingons aboard you know as part of enterprise yeah but they never explicitly say Oh, you know, this is the first the first time that we met the Klingons. There was nothing in canon that said when we first encountered the Klingons. Well, uh, okay, I'll I'll take that reasoning. I think that's fair. So originally, we weren't going to jump the damn ship into the future. The original plan was to put control over there and like blow up the ship, right? Okay. But the ship's like, uh, 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 you're not blowing me up, we? <laughs> Like, I'm not blowing myself up because there's some information on here. I'm made of information. That's my whole point in living. I'm an artificial intelligence, and intelligence, artificial intelligences have to have intelligence, and I'm not going to be blown up just because I have intelligence. That doesn't make any sense at all. So it turned off its own destruct sequence. The ship turned off its own destruct yeah, sequence? Yeah, like, they clearly had a count. They were going to blow the ship up. That's why they had the, those little crazy-ass umbilical bridges that come across... They yeah. come across from the Enterprise to Discovery, and they link the two together, and then they everyone departs, and everybody gets on Enterprise, and then she has her little her little, little fever fever dream. <laughs> she has a little fever dream of people dying, and then they go and they're gonna blow up Discovery. Well, 
no sooner do they shoot photon torpedoes and Discovery's like, oh, let me put my shields up. <laughs> You're not going to blow me up like this. What are you doing? I, I like how they used those little indents on the side of the uh, uh, engineering section of the 1701 and gave us a purpose for them too. They kind of retconned the the reason for those rectangular holes on the side of the engineering section. Those are those are now for the umbilicals. Yeah. Brilliant thinking. Uh, unfortunately, we already had uh, we already had ports. We already had, we already oh, had definite okay. ports on the side of the uh, of the Enterprise. Now this Enterprise clearly has a slightly different design. Yeah, but they they've stated that uh, this this is the same enterprise. It just nobody no nobody no, on the show notices that it looks different from what it looked like before in the '60s. So well, I'll give you that. the The problem is that there are technical manuals out there. Yeah. And very detailed plans of the uh, of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. Let's not forget that this is the Starship Enterprise. This is not like the Starship Discovery, where you can like make new stuff and something that, like people have been covering this, yeah. this ship for years. So you know, I guess it's okay that we change things, but this is just another example of listen, you guys are just bumping all like you just jumped into the cannon closet and you're just like thrashing all around. You're knocking stuff off the hangers and you're pushing stuff back on the shelves. And I really like, the next time I go, want to go into my cannon closet, I want to reach for a sock and find a sock, not a tie, okay? So like, can you jump, 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 jump out, jump as fast as you can, run, 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 and get the fuck out of cannon. Okay. I've noticed in our okay. recordings that I have the worst problem saying Star Trek and I have a terrible problem saying Discovery. Every time that I find myself, say, Star Trek or Discovery, it seems as if I've created some word that doesn't exist. It just comes out like Star Trek Discovery, like as if I'm drunken. <laughs> and I assure you that, my friends, I am not drunken. Oh, so if you'll notice, okay. there was an extremely long like teaser sequence. The, the teaser sequence, uh, which is you know that beginning section of show from the moment, recap ends until the opening credits roll that was a really long time it was probably about 15 minutes i i think they've done that before but maybe not as often or maybe not as long but i really like when they do it <laughs> like this it, this yeah. happens to be one of those things where like okay so we tried to blow up the ship and the ship defended itself and that was before the uh opening credits which like that was yeah. going to be the the part of the beginning of the point of the next episode of this episode this being the next episode you know that that we're gonna get that done first thing we see is we can't get that done yeah they're doing a standard conference lounge scene you gotta love a tng conference everybody loves sitting in an observation <laughs> lounge talking about what we're doing that's like the whole run of star trek the next generation uh it, it's, it's just a big conference show I've been on some role play ships online that that's all they do. They have their conference talking about what we're going to do for a mission, but we never interact and do anything for the mission. And then it's like, or that like if I am as a character as a, like an assistant in a department instead of the chief in the department, there's nothing for me to do anyway, because that they're on a role play. There's, 
not usually enough to do for the main cast, let alone, you know, the assistants. Sure. Well, you have to make up extra stuff. Like, you have to make up all the stuff that's happening in your life. You know, you have to make up the, I have kids at home, and I'm teaching <laughs> them how to not be bastards to the world. And, you know, I, I'm trying Except to learn my how characters to... never have kids at home. <laughs> yeah, you got to make up some stuff. I usually, I, a lot of times I'll just add stuff from my actual normal life. Mm-hmm. And and throw it in there as part of my character's it's, life. It's not a bad idea. Change names and dates and times, but adding the similarities. So so sometimes when that happens, <laughs> I remember a couple times that I've done that as the captain. You know the 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 game master. I guess uh, you would normally call them if we weren't yeah. Star Trek. Uh, as the game master, sure. I've, I've done that, and, uh, and people have told me that it's it, it was unrealistic, or that it was like inappropriate. But you know, sometimes life is inappropriate. Yeah. In my humble opinion. Certainly. So my uh, female parental unit was telling me that uh, with this in my life now, for as long as it exists, and you know, maybe it would be a good idea to set some of the set most of the role plays aside, and I'm going to be doing something with. Uh, another friend uh for an actual paper and pencil tabletop role playing uh so maybe you know maybe it would be a good idea if i did uh uh leave some of these things that i seem to have abandoned anyway because of covid depression i don't know have they come up to the an official term for the lack of motivation for wanting to do this because you're trapped in your home for days and weeks at a time. I don't know that they've they've come up with a specific term for it. I haven't really looked up one. Uh, <laughs> if I were doing my normal job, I would probably know that term because I'm sure there is one. I'm 100% sure that someone has made up one. And if I were, you know, actively working locally in my field, then I'm sure I would have invented one had I not heard one thus, thus far. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I might be so out of touch um, of that feeling that you know, I might not have come up with it because I wouldn't have experienced it. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't have experienced it because I, uh, yeah. I was working uh, locally in my field until last August, and and yeah. what I told, what I told, it's strange. What I told my uh, my team. So I used to work for a small clinic downtown. Uh, that you know, we take all kinds of insurance, and we're starting to become a federally qualified healthcare center, which you know gives big perks yes. for um, things like you know Medicare patients uh so when i told my team um because i ran the outreach department and a lot of our outreach was to people who were who are hiv positive and you know in order to in order for the medicines that you take while on hiv to work you have to have food which means you have to have a place to keep food which means you have to have housing which means you have to you have to have some sort of stable income so there were a lot of things that my outreach team did we we focused on the ryan white community which is to reiterate, you know, people who have HIV and also people who don't have HIV because uh, we had a, a new model rollout in DC here uh, that was a, a pairing of, uh, of prevention and care. So we could spend some of those previously only care dollars on prevention things. So, in so any who's case, Ryan White? Ryan White was a young man, a young white man who in the 80s as a child became infected with HIV and it was in his name that organizations like ACT UP 
uh, and the Ryan White Foundation were made to, uh, you know, provide healthcare for those who couldn't afford it and to provide research dollars and to provide, mm-hmm. you know, um, enabling services as well. Um, those enabling services are those things that the that my outreach team worked on mostly. You know, we had a, you know, a full medical clinic downtown. So we had a, yeah. a doctor who was, you know, the, the patient's um, primary uh, primary care physician, right? Yes. And then we would have a team of, you know, uh, community health workers. And I led the team of community okay. health workers and decided what, you know, and made the decisions on what we were going to focus on, what we we're going to do, where we could best spend our time, you know. So for a while, uh, we did exceptionally, we were doing exceptionally well at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was maybe a couple weeks in that I realized that the people that we were having difficulty hearing from were those people who have, you know, had some history of substance abuse. And I told my team, like, make sure that you were reaching out doubly to these people because, you know, people yes. are losing their jobs and with nothing to do or even with, you know, a lot they of extra people being at in. home and around the people are going, you should expect some people to relapse and like, don't be disappointed. I little did I know. Man, I said that for a sandwich here or first we had it. Which is why, uh, which is part of the reason why in, in August, I then subsequently, there's like that thing that settled in where it was like, it was hard to mesh the difference between uh, work and home. And then mm-hmm. it was hard to separate them. And then it became hard to really manage either one of them effectively. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, you know, I had uh, a couple of different, pro- uh, three different projects I was working on, you know, one, one being, uh, being, you know, being a voice of, uh, of, of the community and being a, uh, you know, a, a, an advocate for change in the community, uh, you know, being part of a, uh, an organization that focuses on transgender individuals. Now the, the transgender mm-hmm. individuals, um, organization that my connection with them stems out of my like HIV uh, arena work uh, and you know started mainly out of you know uh, the ability to provide those services and have those connections in that community because that community is is one that is marginalized more intensely than anybody realizes like mm-hmm. it is while it is not the most ideal to be a gay man in America you can still be a gay man in America and still be a man in America you know yeah yeah but a transgendered woman is neither is not considered a man, you know. So not don't get a full vote, right? And then, and then you know, not yeah. really a woman. So still don't really get a full vote. So it's it's a really tough place to be in. So I'm I'm, I'm I've been proud to be a, a member of that of the board for one of those organizations. And uh, while I'm still doing my remote stuff, I still work for uh, a part of uh, the Human Resources Services Agency, which is uh, a branch of the government. I still, still, I still work for a piece of them doing consultant work uh, yeah. for uh, you know a national collaborative of people who work in the Ryan White field. Um, yeah. So now, now I just have that, and then you know, obviously this podcast. And uh, yeah. and then the uh, the other board and there's another couple councils I'm trying to get into so I make sure I regularly attend their meetings, uh, you know. So uh, so you... if uh, if you had Ryan White on your <laughs> uh, 
bingo card for today, then congratulations, you're clairvoyant. Because I, I myself had no idea that that topic would come up. <laughs> right on the day when I decided to learn to enunciate. So it's not as if it, it's not as, it's not even as if I could just cover some of the things I said by mumbling. It was, it was all very clear. So. Yeah, I hope Yay. it doesn't pinpoint me too much about who I am because you know there's some, <laughs> some some part of the discussion included substance abuse and some of the discussion included work, and mixing yeah. the two isn't really a great idea. So you know we want to avoid doing that. Yeah. So yep. my name is my name is I don't know. That's what it is. Jack Dorino. That's what my name is, Earl Grey. You better know it. <laughs> so. uh, uh... To, to rein us back in a little bit. Sure, let's do that. I was just noticing in the scene where the princess is writing in the air with her s spoon and everybody's giving her side eye, you know? Yeah. The thing is, all of us have done that. Everybody does that and everybody acts like it's a weird thing for her to be doing. It's like people, you, you, you look at things in the air and or, or like if I'm trying to figure, it, you know, like, my, one of my places to to veg and process and figure things out and think through things is in the shower. You know, I'll I'll sit and you know take my finger and write on the tile on the wall. You know, and and figure stuff out. Sure. We we all do this kind of stuff, and they're all looking at her like she's crazy. Why? Who is she? This lady doing this, <laughs> writing in the air with her spoon. Sure. So I think you hit on part of it, and part of it is who is this lady? Because for a, for those of us who didn't watch the, the the Star Trek shorts, and I shouldn't say those of us because it's not me. Like I watched the shorts being <laughs> avid and like thirsty Star Trek viewer, and whatever Star Trek you put on, that's the Star Trek that I'll watch, and I will love it no matter what. Mm -hmm. So some people chose not to watch the short tracks, which I don't know how you can go your entire life without seeing Calypso because Calypso is incredible but I don't want to go too far into the discussion of any of the short tracks because we have made a decision have we not we sure well, loosely well, okay so we've made one of those decisions where I talked and you listened and sort of acquiesced um, sure my, my thinking was that we can put uh, we can put a Patreon and on that Patreon we can put our short tracks reviews you know, like we'll have a very small fee, but that fee will go toward helping us make more shows, man. Because yeah, who doesn't want to see or hear more shows from us? So yeah, the details for that should be down in the feed for this episode. And by now, you should be able to reach all of our um, for that that single yeah, fee. Yeah, like, share, and subscribe. Yeah, yeah, like, share, subscribe down below. Look here. <laughs> the. Uh, the feed, the, the the Patreon will allow you to watch all of to hear our reviews of all of the uh, all of the short tracks thus far. So yes, that really small price you see down below, that's it, man. Feel free to give us more if you want, and we can make more faster. I love the uh, princess's ear dress thing. Uh, I think that that's stolen from Bajor. Well, <laughs> and I don't think that's hers fair. Is solid, and the Bajor ones are on chains. It is. It is. I like. I like how she's just surrounded with like LED lights and bright shimmery things and then like dark shiny sideways eye flashing and she's she's very much like a call out unto herself. I can okay. see why people were staring at her while she was dry. I would stare at her doing anything at all. Like I would just watch I would be 
I wouldn't even be noticing the spoon that she wave, she's waving around in the air. I'd be fixated on her eyeballs. <laughs> I would be waiting. I think you and I both, yeah. For the next moment for, for her to blink. Because I could just sit there and watch forever. <laughs> well, and, and it, I double take when she blinked the first time. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> One thing that I would really like to start paying attention for are these incredible ship shots. Now, my favorite ship shots are those where we go from and it can be in either direction like you can go from either really far away from the ship and zoom all the way in and then come into the window like through the window mm -hmm. pretty yeah. amazing or go the other way like come all the way from like a close-up on a person and then zoom all the way back out out out, out until you see like a whole planet or a whole ship or whatever these are my favorite shots i would yeah. like to see if i can remember to uh mark all the episodes where anything like that happens because those are there was there was a uh there was a an episode of Battlestar Galactica. I believe it was the end of season three, perhaps. And we do we do this zoom out from Kareth Race in her Viper over the Eye of Jupiter, and okay. you zoom out and out and out and out and out and out and out, and you go all the way. You zoom all the way out from her Viper all the way to see the entire galaxy, and then you like sort of flip over on the galaxy and zoom all the way in, and then you see Earth. Oh, okay. Like the the Americas part, um, things like that okay. really impressed me. I, I've never been more impressed than I was with that moment of Battlestar Galactica. The went like, they went from like a close up on a face to all the way galactic to all the way down to seeing the planet. Like it was pretty dope. They kind of tried to do it in the first episode of the Next Generation, with the zoom in on on Picard's ready room. Sure, yes, and they they came very close to doing it right, but. They suddenly like shifted from like a little further out to like close in, and that just yeah. ruins it for me. Like you gotta have the whole smooth all the way in zoom, and I get what they were trying to do, but guess where they achieved it? I don't. We'll talk about it later because it's in Star Trek Picard episode one in like the first ten seconds. It's the most amazing thing that I've ever seen, and <laughs> the most beautiful piece of Star Trek exploration that has ever existed in life. Okay. So, are you considering Star Trek Picard as the Next Generation 2.0? Oh, yeah, it's totally Star Trek The Next Generation continues. Okay. But we'll talk more about that later. So, you know, yeah, sure. bingo card, Picard. There Yay. it is. You got it. Well, and bingo, bingo card, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, sure enough. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, there's a parallel here that I, that I apparently have been subconsciously like edging toward. And that is the idea of jumping a show in time. Okay. Right. So it's clear that in Star Trek Discovery, we're we're about to jump somewhere where no one has gone before. Yeah. <laughs> and in Battlestar Galactica, they sort of did the same thing. Well, they did that a little bit in Andromeda with did they know? the very first episode oh sure so it's funny that you should tie that one in also because it's my it's my firm belief that what we're doing in star trek discovery season three is going to be like we're going to be doing andromeda right because a ship from way in the past brought to do some stuff in the future right so yeah, sure. andromeda's mission was to you know sort of reform the uh, the big ass coalition of planets, <laughs> or whatever their whatever their federation was called, right? So it's been my understanding from commercials and things like that, and it seems from the uh, from the from the pictures of people holding up flags that you know the idea is to bring the federation 
back to some sort of former glory, which it appears yeah. we are in now. Okay. So without too many spoilers, uh, I nope. do like the idea of nope. tying in nope. some other Roddenberry. Nope. nope. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah I was totally just, thinking that. Yeah, no, no. Just, you know, <laughs> just tying in some page. other Roddenberry ideas, you know, like. Yeah. I, I liked the idea of Andromeda a whole lot. I enjoyed the show when I can watch it, but I've never been able to sit and watch it like and binge watch it so that I can catch up and like I've never oh. been able to finish Farscape either. Oh yeah, so Andromeda, uh my friend, I've learned is on Pluto T V. Is it? Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of Pluto T V, but uh Yes, I have. Yeah, not to not to give not to give an advertisement, but to give an advertisement. Uh, Pluto TV <laughs> is an app that you can get on your Fire TV, I imagine your Roku TV, and Roku, you can get it from the yep. Google Play Store. Um, yep. It is free. It is 100% free. And you can watch, as with they ads. say... Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, with ads, man. But uh, you know what? I can deal. If I can choose what's on as those ads are playing, okay, dope. I'm in, right? Yeah. So... Uh, as long as they put the ads where they're supposed to go and fade out to black and not some uh, random place. Oh, but they really do. <laughs> they really do. This is the this is the thing where like sometimes it'll be like in the middle of the credits, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm still okay with it because it's still free. So, they are uh, they their advertising goes like drop in, watch free, watch hundreds of channels and thousands of movies free, and it is not a lie. You can watch it on, Am on Amazon Fire TV. You can get it on Android. You can get it on your Chromecast. You can get it on your iPhone. You can get it on your PlayStation Three, your PlayStation Four. And your Roku. You can get it on your Roku or your Roku TV. You can even get it on your Roku. Samsung App Store which is dope, or your little Vizio app store. I, I highly recommend the Samsung app store. Although, if you get on your Samsung app store, app store and you have a Samsung phone, then screw that. Just, you know, beam your deck station to your Samsung TV and always use your phone to watch anyway. I, I do guess a little bit about Samsung as well. Uh, but Pluto TV. Pluto TV. Pluto TV. That's my advertisement. Well, actually, I uh, my TV is a I don't know. It's it might be a 1080, but it's uh, Samsung. Oh, pretty dope. And my Blu-ray player is a Samsung. Yeah, so I have I, two Blu-ray players in my closet. They're Samsung. I just can't okay. imagine what in the hell I'm gonna watch on a Blu-ray that I can't find oh, on I've the got, streaming service. I've got bunches of Blu-rays. In fact, wow. sometimes I prefer the Blu-rays to the streaming movies because when you get the digital copy with your blu-ray they don't give you this the special features and i'm a special features nut i'll go in and watch you know hours of special features and behind the scenes and deleted scenes and trailers and trailers and trailers and uh tv spots and you know i the, the one thing i won't do is usually go and flip through all the uh production art you All right, know. so here's here's the thing that I'm going to mention right now. Since since we've just mentioned for the first time a little bit of uh, quid pro quo for making more shows. Quid pro quo for making more show. I just made that little phrase up. So I'm going to say, uh, so there are, I've heard pray tell, not, not pray tell from Pose, but just I've heard tell that um, there are some special features and some deleted scenes on the Star Trek Discovery Blu-rays that okay. I myself would really like to see. Uh, this, is the, mm -hmm. this is the rumor that I've heard, and I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to say that if anybody would like to contribute toward our fund of purchasing these Blu-rays yes. so that we can watch these special Times features two. and review these deleted scenes, 
then we well, will definitely take the money that you that you provide for us <laughs> and we will apply it directly toward that. Yes. Promise, Scouts, promise, and we will but, make but those shows. Since uh, my 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 good friend uh, Jack Dorino and I uh, tragically do not live close enough to trade those, we would need to do that times two. Well, no, no. So, so like, yes. look, look, look. Let's not let's not be greedy. So, like, I can, uh, you know, like you can watch them and you can send them to me, and then I or I can watch them. I can send them to you. There might be some secret way that I might know to baby copy a Blu-ray. I'm not saying that I'm gonna do it, but hey, I think it's possible. You know, I think maybe I can work <laughs> things out. I do have that degree in computer science. Totally playing into the so, Dorino. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you gotta Dorino it up <laughs> just to make sure people know what you're talking about. So, so, uh, so yeah. Listen. One set, guys. One set, guys. I don't know. I don't know how much they cost, but uh, they, they're 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 a little rich. I just for... noticed that Star Trek Picard season one is on Blu-ray already. Is it? I wonder if they have deleted scenes there as well. I noticed a sticker that said like this number of uh, hours of material, but I don't remember what the de details were of the type of material. Gotcha. Uh, so, so Discovery, let's see, Discovery Season 1 Blu-ray, oh, it's 34 bucks, so not bad. We might do them anyway, you know, see if I can, if, <laughs> if we can get some people, because people uh, saying they want to see it, you know, we'll do our best to, to deliver it to you, because uh, <laughs> I I think that I've seen, like, a clip of, a clip of a of part of a deleted scene, and it was pretty fracking neat. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I'd be pretty excited to see those. Some deleted scenes okay. would be pretty dope. You know, there was a actually speaking of which, I know exactly what it is. So there was a deleted scene, and it was it showed uh, they they released it like a regular release though, and it was um, Alan Van Sprang at the end of season one recruiting Michelle Yeoh into Section Thirty One uh... as Leland and Giorgio, uh, respectively. Yes, uh, and it was okay. like a five minute thing, but it really laid some foundation for this season and it sort of gave some gave some closure to what the hell was going on with Jojo last season. Okay. Well, so. I think one of the episodes had a post-credit scene. That yeah, that might be the one I'm thinking of. That might be the one. Yeah. So if there's some more I, things like that hidden in there, that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen at least one post-credit scene and possibly more. So let's let's let me talk about some things in this episode before we uh, before we draw this this section to a close. Uh, towards the end of this episode, yes, sir. The starships start spewing out stuff. If I'm not mistaken, is that this episode? Well, they're they're shuttlecraft all over the place. Yeah, they there's like a, a totally ludicrous amount of shuttlecraft up here yeah. out of like fracking nowhere. Like the entire yep. section thirty one ship starts coming around apart into little ships. Okay. Uh, and Enterprise, the Enterprise and Discovery send like this gargantuan fleet of shuttles. Well, that the, I don't know one, where they had them. Like, where yeah. did they keep those shuttles? Where are those the, shuttles? The one thing that always bugged me is when the role plays want to have all these starfighters, and it's like, dude, starfighters are Star Wars. Star Trek is one big ship and maybe some shuttles. You know, you don't. If you're going to go into a battle, you battle with your. It's a battleship. It's not. You know, little tugboat dinghies. You know, you know, I, I'm with you, but I do believe that in some classes of ships, it makes sense to have a bunch of little shuttlecrafts. 
I, it, I I'm pretty sure that the Enterprise the Enterprise D the big D, I'm sure that yeah. she carried at least fifteen various shuttlecraft, right? Only, but only fifteen. That's not enough to have a, you know, a, a trench run on the D- Star Destroyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that Discovery has a ridiculous amount of shuttlecraft, and thank God they're leaving them in the past because apparently, like, mm-hmm. are they going to take all those shuttles with them, or are some know. of those shuttles going to get blown up by control? Are they going to? I don't think they're going to take that many. They're going to have that many shuttles with them, and if they do, where are they going to fit their giant piece of dark matter? Huh? <laughs> oh wait, what did they do with that? Oh, that's right. They left that orbiting, um, uh, orbiting Paralysium. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so the engineer lady just touched the crystal too and saw the same future. Uh, who Jet Reno did? I sure the engineer lady. Yeah, I don't know what to. I don't know what to make of Jet Reno. Yeah, I don't know what to think of Jet Reno touching a, touching a time crystal. Other than to think, wow, that's a really, really bad idea. It would really put me, <laughs> really put me off to find her doing so because, uh, seems seems a lot smarter than that. Uh, so let me tell you, there's there's one thing that I you, you've touched twice on Poe's presence in this show and Wait. the uh, the one thing that I really need to say about uh, Mihanika Halikapo right sure Mihanika Halikapo Mihanika Halikapo Mihanika Halikapo it's like a, it's like a, it's like a uh, one of those like Candyman 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 things Mihanika Halikapo the one thing about <laughs> About her pop, it, it sounds like it might be Beetlejuice, Hawaiian. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. It's the Hawaiian version of Beetlejuice, 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 which is Mihani <laughs> Kahali Kapo. So okay. the one thing about uh, her, people looking at her strangely, is that like she's so obnoxious. Bloody Mary. Like she is extremely, extremely full of herself, <laughs> and yeah. people don't know whether to trust her except for Tilly's. Like, yeah, you should totally trust her, and people are still like, uh. Well, Tilly says it, so I guess I don't know still. <laughs> There's a thing that happens at the uh, at the beginning of this episode. Okay. Which is that Steric and Amanda reach, they, they get all the way from like the beach on Vulcan to the Starship <laughs> yep. Discovery yep. before the Enterprise reaches the Starship Discovery. Okay. But the Enterprise left first and the Starship Discovery followed them. So how in the hell did Sarek and Amanda get to the Discovery before? You see wibbly what I'm wobbly timey wimey. It is wibbly wobbly in this whole thing. And like there's 85,000 ships that are um, that are zooming into place. There is a uh, there's a woman in this in this episode by the way. Uh, she's on the bridge I believe of the Enterprise and she is a helm officer. And it is okay. my firm 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 um, hope that You're she firm. gets to become part of the, the new crew aboard the Enterprise, along with uh, Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck and uh, Anson Mount. Okay. Uh, so she's the helm officer, she's she's wearing that uh, that yellow, and uh, and she's just great. Like I really I really like we we pass over a few times when we're you know okay. watching the confrontation build, and uh, I really want to see her again. Her name is Samora Smallwood, by the way. Uh. So Captain Dorino, should we uh. uh thank one of our sponsors and, and come back briefly? Yeah, we're going to do that and uh, and we'll be back with you all in just a minute with uh, wait, no, hold on we're going to do, we're, I forgot, we're going to do this uh, this between this between episode and now, no, wait, no <laughs> okay Mr. Wolf Mr. Wolf Fire 
Yes, we are. So, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting slash creepy. At the end of this episode, before we move on to the second half of this episode, or the 14th episode, or whatever. Sure, part two of this arc, huh? Giorgio uh, admits to Pike that she's from the Mirror Universe. And so Pike this, is is like, the, this is the part where he's like, what Mirror Universe link? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so is he saying I know that I that you're from the mirror universe, but I'm not supposed to let on that I know? Yeah, like, but I'm still from this universe? Or is he saying, Yes, I know because I'm also from this that universe. I'm I'm evil bike. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's interesting. But I've been trying to pierce I've been trying to piece that together myself. Because we we were just went through this with Lorca, and we you know Lorca turned out to be from the Mirror Universe. You know, I hadn't considered that Pike might be from the universe, especially because at the beginning of the season he says, well, he says he he knows that there's a mirror, he knows something because he did say tell Saru and company that he had been fully briefed on their previous mission, and that yeah. he knew that Lorca betrayed the crew. Yeah. So like, if he's been briefed about the previous mission that he knows the previous mission involves the mirror universe unless he's been given a briefing that has been whitewashed um of all of that kind of involvement yeah perhaps so who really knows and i think like what mirror universe wink is like a pr pretty good way to like to leave it because it leaves it yeah. leaves it leaves the humor part on and i yeah. it's my hope and my belief that uh Strange New Worlds is going to play to that humor part because there is a lot of humor okay. that can be had in Star Trek that we're not really having all of it mm -hmm. uh, in Discovery. There are things yeah. that you know we could bring up that we're just kind of skipping over. Mm -hmm. Like nobody had a whole conversation with Mihanika Halikapo about your your sideways blinky eye thing is really cool like no one said anything about that at all for her to turn to them yeah. and be like uh your regular not sideways blinky thing is really dumb you know like there there are some moments well, that we've clearly missed here but obviously we've already seen a character that can that has their eyes do that too are we talking about linus sure where's is his name really linus the saurian yeah i guess yeah, his name is linus Really? Where's his blanket? I, I know. I, I don't. I think he's got. I think he's been traversing the ship trying to find his blanket. That's why he's always like hanging out on a turbo lift. He's, he's lost it. <laughs> now, last time we saw him, was he speaking English? Because the first time we saw him, he what couldn't speak English. Or so didn't. he, so he, well, he could speak English, but the thing is that he was. Uh, or I'm sorry. Well, actually, it's Federation standard. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. That. So he's he's speaking Federation standard. He's he's speaking something that they, that the rest of the people around him are comprehending him. But the first time we see him, he's ill. That's so right. he's sort of like not saying things very clearly, and it just so happens that uh, Mary, I mean Michael Burnham, <laughs> can uh, can understand him. 
but the second time we see him, you know, he is speaking something that can be understood or universally translated that it sounds very guttural for a fish or a okay. amphibian type creature. Yeah, maybe. So we are we actually back to discuss now uh, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, which is Star Trek Discoveries Episode uh, 14 of Season 2. Uh, it came out on April 18th, 2019, and here on uh, on February 11th, 2021, it is the 762nd episode of a 801 total 20, episodes of Star Trek. What now? 2021, not 2021. What? I'm not sure what you mean by that. So 20, 2019 and 2020 and 2021, right? <laughs> Yes. Just like 1989. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah, I can't say 1989. Sure, but it was the year 2000. And it's All definitely right. the year 2001. I so don't it should know. be the year 2021. No. Nope. Why? It was the year 2000. It was. Because it was 1900. Who ever huh? said it was 2000? In 2001 and 2002. But we don't even say that. Yeah, we do. 2000? Yeah. No one ever says that. What, what, what? People what say 20,000. One, you're 1,989. 1989. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> it's 2021. Let's move on. It's, <laughs> it's time for a new millennium and it's time for a new reckoning. And the new reckoning says that now we're in the 20s. We're in the roaring 20s. And it starts with 20 <laughs> Which 20, sir? 20-0-1, 20-0-2. You know, that's how we that's how we talked about Well, that's how they talked about, uh, about him in the, uh, when I was in the Navy. Like, all the guys around me used to call it the 20-0-2s, the odds, you know, the 20 well, one Yeah, I, I refer to the 0-1 through 0-9 as uh, the oddies. Because one of my favorite TV hosts refers to it as the oddies. So I picked up on that. Oh, who's that TV host? Adam Savage. Oh, okay. Watching him untested, he reminds me quite a bit of my father sometimes. Oh. Or my oh, dad, no. because he was my dad. He wasn't just the person who donated sperm to my mom. <laughs> Fair enough. He, and he was, he never was, you know, sir. He was dad, you know. But anyway, uh, except my dad was um, a brunette and my and Adam Savage is a blonde? I don't think he was a brunette. I think he was a brunina. My dad? Yeah. You've seen pictures of my dad? No, I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't think brunette is the term that we apply to males. Oh, I could be wrong. okay. I'm not sure. I, I think it's... You're, you, you have... You, you are making sense. Okay. So, so I would say that he was a brunina. What's that? What's that? A bruno, maybe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. How about a brown-haired guy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, a guy with brown hair. Yes. Uh, sort of like <laughs> the hair that uh, the director of this episode would have had, had he any hair. This is Olatunde Osun-Sanme. And, you know, I found that I really enjoy the Olatunde uh, episodes. And since I'm an avid watcher of The Ready Room, which is that after show hosted by Will Wheaton, I yes. also have taken to call him and calling him Tunde because that's what the cast seems to call him. They seem to refer to him as Tunde. Guys, so but I do I do enjoy his episodes a lot. Okay. So this is the episode where 
we reboot the show and are are on the cusp of starting a brand new television show. Uh, mm-hmm. Half of this episode is uh, CGI, and the other okay. half is people saying goodbye who haven't earned uh, enough time on the screen to say this long of goodbyes. Uh, this is also <laughs> the episode where we heavily feature the bridge of the USS Enterprise that we will very, very soon see again on a television show. I, I very much like the remade Enterprise Bridge and the fact that we'll mm-hmm. see it again a lot uh, for this new TV show. And I love seeing this new bridge crew. And I just feel like this is like, like the link to this episode sort of made this a backdoor pilot for the new yeah. uh, Enterprise yeah. show. Well, did you see uh, the YouTube video that I sent you of uh, fan-made creation of um, a, a remade Enterprise bridge as if they like dropped in the new Enterprise bridge right behind f- actual footage of Kirk and Spock and Uhura. Oh, that's very clever. You mean they took like the original people, the original show, and they put that show on the new bridge? Is that what you're not saying? quite. Not oh, okay. quite. They updated the controls that they were sitting at. Okay, I'll I'll check that out later, and if you know, we can stick that link to that in our feed <laughs> for this episode. So as we are putting this uh, this whole this whole suit together and getting ready to go to the future, uh, we do pan across Lieutenant Nelson, which I think is awesome. You know, I learned something recently uh, reading up on. Uh, you know some of this season reading up just some of the uh some of the overviews and reviews from this season on the the main star trek website uh, i learned that arium was the spore operations officer okay and that is the very position that lieutenant nilson uh takes up you know when when arium disappears and then we see nilson's a la you know volk and tyler sort of the same Concept happens again. I, I I love the split screen that they pulled off there. Yeah, I do enjoy the cartoon like split screen, and I'm hoping that that is a constant element of Strange New Worlds, because these okay. comic like uh the com- these comic like directions would be really great to see. Um, to wit, I think that even just the like the direction of Alatunos and Sanme would be great in Strange New Worlds because I really like his his style. Like I like the walk arounds. I like the shift from one from one shot to the next without you know breaking the you know the unbroken shot is is one of my favorite things and i love but by the comic style you don't mean the funny haha comic style but you mean mean, like comic books you know like yeah the split screen panels is definitely yeah a panel of panels yeah split screen panels is like a comic book to me and then like going going from one person to the next without like changing cameras is Mm -hmm. sort of like a comic book style as well because it's kind of like it's kind of like the it's kind of like the same blur really as if the pa- the pages were turning. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Oh, they're all looking at Saru like, uh, "What's our command?" Because you're the captain. He's like, "I'm not the captain. He's the acting captain." It's like, "No, you're, dude. You're the captain because you're the highest ranking officer on the bridge." There. Sure. Uh, I did. I did not quite understand. Of course, they're looking to to Saru for for something. You know because. He's sitting in that center seat. Like, why are you sitting in that seat if you're not ready to sit in that seat? Yeah. Or sitting in that seat, of course, is standing up, you know, like a Kirk or a Picard and saying the thing that needs to be said, you know, right now. Kirk didn't stand up a whole lot. Uh, you don't know. You weren't there. Well, I mean. You weren't there the whole time. 
<laughs> You're right. There's um, two years that are one, depending on what perspective you look at it as there's, there's two years of, of missions that we missed. Yeah. Or more or more. And, and yeah. And, and the second five-year mission. I was, I was mistaken last, last episode. I think it's so, it was so present on my mind that I couldn't like let it go. But it is actually okay. this part of the episode that Leland's entire ship comes apart into yep. a million other little tiny ships. Yep. Man, we've been inside it's that just, ship before, well, though, right? So, like, tell me how this make that make sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. Like fans down below, you know, comment and give us your speculation on that. The original drones that we saw launching from the uh, Discovery were only about human size like drones like little torpedoes sure. flying oh i just noticed something in the credits what did you just notice in the credits when they're showing the uh blueprints of the the ev suit sure there's a little ant or bug walking through the ev suit oh uh, what you, now what 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 um Is that on your screen no, it's not a fly screen? walking out. No. Okay, I'm going back. I really yeah. didn't want to go back, but I'm going back. Yep. Uh, what, the EV suit. Okay. I don't know how far. Yeah, the regular there. EV suit, not the Red Angel suit. Oh. Down the side, under the arm. Yeah, I did see that. That's pretty interesting. I'm curious as to whether they were there before, but I'm not going to press the issue. <laughs> there is an interesting thing that happens in this episode. Mm -hmm. And one that sort of legitimizes, while not not while not canonizing uh, novels, it does legitimize a little bit of the novel novelizations uh, okay. of uh, the Pike era or the the early Kirk era. And that is that we have given number one the name of Una in canon. We have. Yeah, this episode gives her the name Una in canon. Um, I forget how or when she mentions it exactly, but I will I say that. I've read that many times in many books, and it even that even includes uh, next generation books. Um, they're, they're, they're connecting to. Uh, they're they're copying off of um, certain other properties on another streaming service that are giving uh, are bringing uh, legends back into canon, or beta canon back into actual canon. Uh, like are you talking about uh, Mandalorian, like Star Trek stuff? I mean Star Wars stuff. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, you're in the wrong galaxy. Drop, Let's move on. If you're going to name drop, I wasn't going to name drop, but if you're oh, you can name, name drop, drop it. Like... Let's just mm -hmm. not spend too much time over there because who knows what what is over there in the past from a long, long time ago. At least Battlestar Galactica was a, a, at least in the same galaxy. That was some stuff that doesn't have anything to do with me at all. Star so you talk about future. Battlestar Galactica, and I talk about the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, nothing about Battlestar, or little, to, close to nothing about Battlestar Galactica. Oh my! And, That's a. I mean, I think I, I I watched some of it, but I I wanted to start with the 1970s show. Yeah, it's such a different thing, though, that it doesn't really make much sense to start there. The entire concept and the plot are entirely different. It's it's not just a reboot. Like the whole story is different. The whole idea mm -hmm. is different. There's there's no relation between the two than like a few lines of a few lines of text. 
Okay. That are things that are well, and, from and then, their belief system. What about the mini series before the full series? Right. And so, so some so other those... side series like um, uh, what's the title? Pegasus. Starts with a, no. Well, okay, but there's another one that starts with a C. Uh, there's one that's the face of the enemy, and there's Caprica. Caprica. Yeah. So all We're, of those, I mean, all of those, like. 20th, uh, late 20th century uh, Battlestar Galactica. Well, they're all late 20th century, but like the the 2000s, you know, Gal- Galacticas are all interrelated. Okay. And they're not necessarily related to the previous series from the 70s. They're very different. No, okay. The hard thing is which order to watch them in. Oh, well, you start with the miniseries and then you watch the regular series. Okay. And like it'll tell you when the other stuff happens when i'm looking at my roku i don't know how to distinguish the miniseries from the regular series oh we'll help you out sometime ladies and gentlemen that was once again once again if you got the card that has battlestar galactica you can pretty much put battlestar galactica on like the corner of your card and you can assume (laughs) that we'll probably talk and razor and yeah yeah so razor is yeah so there's there's placements to all of those things and they they all have their place (laughs) Uh, I would look online. I would look online and find a timeline of Battlestar Galactica because that okay. will help you understand the order that things go in. I was actually enjoying the uh, uh, the 70s um, uh, Buck Rogers in the 24th century. You know, I thought of watching that the other day and I found it on Pluto TV, not to advertise Pluto TV again. But I did find it on Pluto TV, and I watched maybe three episodes of it. I say watched. But what I call watched is turned it on, watched it for a little while, let it watch me, and then woke up, and another episode was playing further down. And then I was like, ugh, I can't believe I'm watching this. And I turned it off. There's a scene right here in uh, in Star Trek Discovery, uh, Season 2, Episode 14, Such Sweet Sorrow, Part 2, where... The Discovery flies by, and it has so many, like, torpedo blasts going across it. Yep, it's yep. really reminiscent for me of the final uh, scenes of Star Trek Voyager, where they're okay. doing all these fireworks. And mm-hmm. and it's also strangely reminiscent of, you'll never guess what, Battlestar Galactica. You know, when they're <laughs> shooting all kinds of nukes at each other. Uh, hmm. It's it's similar, but also different enough that I don't fault them for being so similar to Battlestar Galactica. The most gruesome thing that happened in this season, by the way, was shortly after, uh, you know, we take a trip through the gargantuan nether space that exists behind the turbolifts, we also (laughs) uh, find our way to this gross-ass, gory, ginormous piece of metal sticking out of Paul Stamets' gut, and when somebody moves it, like, his whole, like, a whole Akira thing happens, right? And he's, like, trying to scoop his guts up off the ground. That was so foul and so unexpected that I really got to give him credit. Wait, uh, Akira, the class of starship, or Akira, no. the Akira, the anime. The anime. <laughs> when the kid's like dropping his intestines and then trying to scoop them up, like that. I can't remember. Does he die by the end of this? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Who is he? Are we talking about Stamets? Does Stamets die by the end of this? Stamets? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with no. Stamets is not gonna die. How are you gonna write off? How are you going to write off half of this this couple that everybody has been like following? I mean, they now if they both die and both come back to life, and then they have a way to relate back to each other again. 
Uh, yeah, I suppose they do. But let's consider this. <laughs> uh, in, in a few moments, Stamets, along with the whole rest of the crew, granted, is going to leave everything behind. He's going to leave all of his birthdays <laughs> behind. He's going to leave all the people he knows behind. He's effectively going to die. <laughs> and then have to continue living in a world that feels entirely different, new, and strange. So consider that Culber actually did this first and was now going to be able to guide the rest of the crew through living this exact thing. Right? Okay. I don't know. That's that's the way that's the way it appeared that's the way it appears to me that that Culber's okay. gonna be like, oh this? Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, so I've done this before. Like, come on, here's here's how you here's how you keep moving, you know? So is there a hint that they're dwell on that a little bit in the next season? Oh, I mean, like so. So I'm I'm speaking as if I have not seen season three, which okay. is how I will continue to speak. Um, okay. I don't even want to give my opinion on whether on on whether you know they have any emphasis on that and whether I am have positive or negative feelings about them not having emphasis on that because I just you know this is this is what I'm seeing now and okay. I'm feeling like it's like that seems perfectly reasonable and valid for them to do. It is when um, Michael Burnham is putting on the Red Angel suit, yeah. or rather, standing and allowing it to put itself on. Him. <laughs> yeah. um, Avengers style. I didn't know that she was part of the Avengers or like the Justice League, but clearly <laughs> they are doing a whole like we can fold metal on metal on Transformers sort of Transformers Avengers Marvel comics <laughs> sort of thing, even though Star Trek is DC Comics, you know, whatever. Star Trek flips around from who publishes them as a comic book. Star Trek does indeed bounce around from their publishers. Um, the best the best years, though, are always DC IMHO. Uh, that's when they have Justice League. That's when we can do things like Star Trek meets Green Lantern. We can do Star Trek meets Doctor Who, and Star Trek meets all of these cool people, you know, that I want Star Trek to meet. Um, although there is a Star Trek Transformers as well, I will add. So, <laughs> although Transformers is on the other side, I believe that's on that's published by IDW right now. Ah, well, there we go. There we go. That's which I can't figure out, but they might be related to Marvel because um, if you've ever look through the previews sometimes idw publishes some stories about of from the marvel universe so they they have i don't know yeah, I, I think they they can do interrelated stuff i think because they are in the middle and like a third thing sort yeah. of like the the amalgam publications which i really really miss um if anybody well, uh, would like shot kind of thing yeah, if anybody would like a uh, a full set of the Amalgam uh, Universe comics, which is the the Marvel and DC Universe coming together, and then you know existing as their own combined universe for a few episodes, for a few issues, and then uh, breaking back apart. Uh, if anybody would like the entire set of those, I'm taking bids for my copy of them. One of my copies of them uh, got all kinds of special special comics like Secrets of the Dark Claw which is that Wolverine Batman put together mm -hmm. kind of thing there's some good stuff in there but uh you know not to uh not to say that uh not to say that we're trying to show for some bucks here but uh well a dollar per oh, issue I gotta I gotta jack Darina what up so, did you say what a dollar per issue a dollar per issue of what my knuckles your 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 the thing you were just advertising for my for my comics oh yeah. no 
a dollar per page is more like it. <laughs> you can have them a dollar per page. These are comics from uh, 30 years ago, Holmes. That doesn't mean anything. No, it does mean something to me. How do I know they're not in crap condition? Oh, no, they're in pristine, perfect, and brand new condition. They've been in bags and boards for these full three decades. <laughs> and I'm sitting here staring at the boxes of them going, geez, I wish I had the wherewithal to organize all these comics. I have an entire California king-size bed, right, that has comic boxes, like, all over the underside of it. And I haven't, like, they're in alphabetical order, sure, but I haven't, like, categorized them or, like, I, th I thought of, like, putting them on some sort of computer program or something. Mm-hmm. I used to but do I that. But haven't, I haven't had the time or effort to just scrape together to do that. The, oh, so let's talk about... <laughs> Hold on. Let's talk about the new era of Star Trek and how they keep rocks behind the bulkheads for some reason. <laughs> well, they've always done that. Heard it whenever, whenever they get hit, they can like a whole bunch of rocks can fly out and end up all over the ground. <laughs> yeah, they've I, always I, done you, that. You'd think that they would fill that shit with like some tribbles or some pillows or like some cotton balls or something, like. Um, that that's crazy like what if someone gets hit in head by one of these rocks man stop putting rocks in the ceiling it's like a little <laughs> joke that utopia Planitia does they're like hey man hey check out you know this empty space they think there's like all this empty space behind the, uh, the turbo lift shafts and shit check this out i'm gonna put a whole bunch of rocks back here watch what happens to them the first time they get hit by a torpedo people getting knocked in the head by rocks oh my some more smallwood there she is again my, my so... new my favorite new my favorite new character, yeah, Lieutenant Amin. Amin, I mean, on the bridge, he's like Mag the uh, either the helm. She's one. It looks like the helm officer. Okay. I uh, I really want to see her again. I like the admiral lady. And she's one of the yeah, Admiral Cornwall's dope. Uh, I do have to say that there was absolutely no reason to write Admiral Cornwall out of Star Trek canon. Oh yeah. Well, it, yeah, you're right. You're right. She didn't have to die. At all, like not only at all, but like y'all can just push, like you you can just oh, push at, the the damn torpedo back out of there. Yeah, look at uh, um um oh 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 whatever her name is. Oh, what's her, it gonna? Her badge just sideways. I mean, they they let their uniforms because they're in a bad they in all those other Star Trek, their uniforms never get messed up or unstraight or crooked or whatever. Oh, no, they get messed up and they get unstraight, but they're very neatly done. Like, they're very neatly <laughs> un... They're very neatly crooked or very yeah. perfectly unstraight or very, like, nicely torn. Uh, these guys are, like, taking a lick licking in their little jumpsuits yeah. and uh, badges are getting knocked about and yep. there's dust on faces and... Yep. Uh, Blood. Oh, look at these little drones popping out. Yes. And uh, they got hands. Yeah, like yeah. little... So, so Wally. I don't know where Wally came from. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But Wally or whoever he is has never really been in Star Trek before. And I had to check to make sure that I was seeing what I was seeing because it would be one thing if it was popping out of the. So the problem. Okay. The problem is actually like double edged. Either way you go here, if they're popping out of Enterprise, that means we're going to see him in Strange New Worlds. Oh my God! Please no. If they're popping out of Discovery, that means we're going to see them on Discovery in the future. Oh, my God, please no. So either way, like, these little things popped out, and it's like, okay, you know what they're going to do next? Because you know what Discovery does, right? They're going to double down on them. So that's what happens next. 
double down. I bet you they start using them and using them and using them, and you see them again and again and again. It's going to go so synonymous with Star Trek that it's going to be like, uh, oh my god, I can't believe they retconned these things in. Well, actually, they're more like the E. Yeah, they're going to double down. They're so awful, they're going to double down. Wally was more boxy. These are more like the Eve. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it wasn't, it's not really Wally. It's that other thing that was floating around. It's the same thing, though. It's a little it's a little guy that's floating yeah, around. It's well, like a little it's, guy. it's also an R2-D2. We have work bees. We have EVA suits. Like, why do we need these little things? And if we have these little things, why do we need EVA suits and work bees? Well, they, they showed the uh, worker bee slash EVA suits that are heavier and thicker, and they just have claws. But they look like they were piloted by one person. Yeah, I don't know. I, what... I also like these shots where the very each of the ships is. Yeah, they don't have the strips of photons like they the 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 D does, but they have all the cannons in in one place, and they're just all firing, and it, they've never shown it anything like that from uh, and a Star Trek or anything else but it's like that there's no reason that could never have happened sure you know sure uh i do very much enjoy that cleave ship appearing out of nowhere okay uh i was really glad to see that thing come back and am now convinced that if we see her this will be our last time seeing laurel ever because she's clearly not going to go with us to the future correct which one laurel the Klingon Chancellor. Mm. Like, she can't come with us. Why not? Uh, she's got an empire to lead. If she leads, if she mm. leaves, won't the whole empire fall into disarray? But how many, I mean, how many times has that happened during the show? Well, that's, okay. I mean, a little racist, but all right, I'll take it. <laughs> take the Klingons. You know, speaking of which, I, just earlier today, I was watching, I'm not sure the name of the episode for some reason, because it's been much time and much distance but it is the episode where it must be the sins of the father part two um it has kern it has duras it has uh kim peck and it is when warp accepts this commendation from the klingon high council in order to preserve the klingon empire well uh, okay. and hide duras's father's uh, uh deceit within okay. the empire um so yeah like the klingons and their honor can go shove it in their dumb double penises <laughs> because they don't they don't they don't like the things that say they do they don't do like a person if a person has to tell you who they are then they're clearly not showing you which is uh, a far better use of their time so i'm gonna say klingons listen listen y'all take your bat lifts and shove it up <laughs> your yin yangs because you're not fooling anybody like your your honor is is trash like the one who the klingon with the most honor was a klingon who was raised on earth by humans like he's the one who has honor he's like he was like he was like real far away trying to like join the klingon boy scouts so he could learn how to be a good klingon and all the other klingons were like stomping around like going who left all these eggshells out here while the humans and the ferengi and the vulcans and romans are all like oh my god what we don't want to break these eggshells and they're walking around on eggshells and klingons are just stomping around like eggshells are stupid you know like it's dumb <laughs> so there's Worf, like, coming up like, hey, look, I found this egg. It's, like, fully intact, right? It said Duras's father's name on it, right? And they're like, uh, homie, put that shit somewhere else because we don't want to hear it because we don't want to break <laughs> up. Listen, dude, 
listen, listen, get out of here. Go back to Starfleet. You're nothing. You're not going to break part of this council. And he's like, um, okay, sure, guys. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I guess I got Starfleet and my brothers, and that's cool. So, like, what about Kern, man? Oh, Worf's brother? So, yeah, what that about guy. Him? He's, well, I mean, he's also discombinated. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what happens to him in the Empire? Is he, like, some homeless guy on the homeworld? What's what's going well, on with this they, guy, Kern? They, they touch on it in Deep, Deep Space Nine. They, uh, Man, so they guess wipe what? his memory, and they make him a part of the... Uh, he, he's a part of a, a General Martok's. Yeah. yeah, later, later, later. But, like, they don't do that immediately. No. So, for a while, he's got to live as current. Yeah. There's a moment uh, when Spock is in his shuttlecraft... And, and number one, I had this sinking fear that they were going to try to take Spock with them into the future for real because that was, like, <laughs> what he wanted to do. And I was like, uh, you can't do that. So I was kind of <laughs> glad when, like, time pushed back and was like, uh, no, guys, stop fucking up with canon and just fucking leave Spock here because what the fuck? Like, how much more can you do? So there was a moment when they're standing, when she's standing there on, uh, what did they land on? Uh, frack if I know, it certainly looks like some sort of starship hole, but it couldn't be, could it? it, it, it isn't it a, a uh, an asteroid? Man, it's the smoothest surface asteroid I've ever seen in my damn life. Okay. But I'll tell you what, this asteroid they're standing on, uh, it's boxed sort of out, you know, inside the shuttle, and Burnham is like outside the shuttle trying to get yin yangs to work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was there with her, and I was like, wait, why can't we. What in the world? What happened to the... And at the same time, I'm thinking, like, okay, she can't go into the future because she hasn't done the thing to make herself go into the future yet, which means, like, she has to do all something else to make her... And I'm like, oh, the seven signals, because nobody <laughs> knew what the seven signals... Because Gabriel Burnham came back, Gabriel, Angel Gabriel came back and was like, uh, yeah, signals, man, I... I don't know. I've just been hanging out in Baltimore. Ain't no signals there because, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know if you heard, but they like blocked up our whole city's uh, systems with the like denial of service attack. So can't really do anything on our computers. Wasn't me. Don't know. Bups. See you later. You know, got a tether back to the, got an anchor back in the future. See you later. Denied and so realized, attack? oh, what? so that is what Michael Burns' point is to be the other angel Michael. Uh, and she's the Archangel, I guess. The Archangel Michael. And uh, she raises her little arched eyebrow and she goes, Oh, I'm the one who sent the signals. And I'm like, Oh my God, she actually had something that she had to figure out instead of knowing it all because Mary's, I mean, Michael Burnham seems to always be the center of everything. And I can't wait till we do a season where, like, it's not all about Michael Burnham. But guess what? It's this delightful Sherman Burnham show. This is the Michael Burnham <laughs> show. This is like Star Trek, Michael Burnham. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.